Hello, friends. I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. I want to start a new series today called Experiencing God. And, um, and I think we already experienced God this morning. And, um, and I believe that this is a series that's going to help all of us go to a next level in our relationship with the Lord. I really believe this. This is not for some people. This is for every single one of us. It is, des- it is God's desire for you to know him by experience. Not head knowledge. Not, you know, you know my mom used to pray. No, you. God wants you to know him by experience. And Jesus said this in, in John 17 verse 3, which is kind of like the, the, the main verse for this uh, series that's going to take us all the way to Easter. Um, John 17 verse 3 says this, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. This is the way to know eternal life, is to know God. Right, I'm going to jump right in this morning tell you that eternal life is not a place you go to. It's who you know. Eternal life is knowing God. Right? Eternal life is not, you know, the moment you die, everybody's a good person. Have you noticed that? Have you ever been to any funeral that someone's not a good person? The moment they die, it's like death makes you good. <laughs> Have you noticed? Except for Hitler, you know. Everybody else, Hitler has a category. But it's amazing to me how quickly everybody's a good person. The moment you die... You become an idol, man. You become amazing the moment you die. But that's not the point. The point is, who do you know? Because here's the thing. Let's be, can we be honest for a second? If you're not interested in God now, why would you be interested in him in eternal life? So Jesus is making a point. Eternal life is the way you live your life now. And it just echoes in eternity. Because death is not a period. It's just a comma. Your life continues on. But based on how you lived it here, he said this is eternal life. is to know God. It's not a place you go to. Because if it's a place to go to, then what's the point of here? Right? And so we live a life always expecting something else as opposed to embracing the here, the now, that God is saying, oh, eternal life is you understanding who you are in me and who I am in you and the way you live your life every day echoes in eternity. Like your life right now counts. Your life matters. Every decision, every choice, every situation, every trial, every temptation, all of it, that's life. Because if not, we will keep waiting for someday. Someday. Someday when we all get to heaven. It's like when we get there, then what's the point of the now? Eternal life begins the moment you embrace who God is. And begin to walk in the fullness of his will for your life. Jesus walked around talking about the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't saying somewhere else. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is when you embrace God where you are. That's why he prayed. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying like as you walk with God, you're bringing a piece of heaven to earth. Even in your trials and your tribulations and and, and all the stuff that comes with life. He's saying that's where God is. Right in the middle of all of that can you say amen. Amen. Now the struggle is sometimes is we reduce this thing to a religion. And it was never meant to be a religion. It was never meant to be a weekend thing. It, It was meant to be a lifestyle. And the 
author of the book, Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby, said this. It's really powerful. It's so true. He said, many people have grown up attending church and hearing about God all their lives. But they do not have a personal, dynamic, growing relationship with God. That's the sad reality, church, is that people will go to a building but don't necessarily have a dynamic, thriving relationship with God. The longing of your heart is to know God. The longing of your soul, if you're paying attention, it's not just to go through some rituals and, and, and go through some checklists. No, the, the hunger that you have inside of you was created by God himself. Like he put eternity in you for you to know him. That's why our hearts are restless until we find rest in him. Like we desire to know God. We crave to know God. Like we wake up not even realizing that it is God that we're looking for. And he sets up moments like today to say, it's me that you're looking for. Everything that you're doing, you're looking for me. Why? Because he created you with that longing. When someone creates something, they have a purpose for it. Right? The person that created the chair you're sitting on created a chair for you to sit on. And you don't even, like, you don't even ask questions. You just come in and you sit. Because you trusted that the person that created the chair created a, a good chair that's going to hold you. And now, so think about that. If someone puts that much energy and time and effort into a chair, how much more a God of the universe that created you and knows your heart, knows your desires, knows your love, knows your dreams, knows your aspirations. He knows your ups and downs. He knows all of it. And he said, I'm calling you to a deeper walk with me. I want to reveal things to you. I want to show you things you do not know. I want you to have a life that is beyond just existing. I want you to grow with me. I believe in evolution. I believe we evolve into the people that God created us to be in the first place. Like the whole creation evolves towards the will of God. You know, the Bible goes on to say that creation groans like a woman getting ready to give childbirth to something new. Something fresh. We're going somewhere. God is taking us on a journey, but it's not waiting for some spy, some pie in the sky. It's about the now. He's the God of the very moment that you're in right now. The very situation that you're in right now. God wants to be there to show you who he is and, and how he works everything out for your good. Like, I, I want you to hear me nice and loud today. God is for you, and he's trying to take you somewhere. In this life. This is eternal life. So, so we want to we approach this series from three angles, okay? And I pray you, you buy into all three to get the full experience. There's three things we want to do this time around. We have the Sunday services. They're all going to gear towards this for the next few weeks, all the way to Easter. But also, I want to encourage you to buy the book, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Because something powerful happens if we're getting together on the weekends and then we're, we're studying on our own during the week. And then we join a crew to go deeper with some brothers and sisters. Listen, sky's the limit of what God's going to do if we embrace all three. For those of you guys who don't know what crews are, these are small groups that meet during the week. We, this time around, we have 29 crews for you to, to find one that's for you. One of our battles right now as a church, as we grow, we're trying to find ways to shrink the church. We want everyone to feel like they're part of something. 
Okay, so this cruise gives you a chance to hang out with 12, 15 people in a place where you can talk about this stuff, where you can wrestle together, you can pray together, and you can push each other forward towards the will of God. There is strength in numbers. So I pray that you find a crew that fits you. There's 29 of them. Listen, we have crews for high school kids. We have crews for college students. We have crews for, 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 for ladies. We have crews for guys. We have crews for people that are married. We have crews for people who are flirting. Like, we have a crew for every. Buddy, okay, so, so before we go any further, I need to get a commitment from you that you're in on all three, okay, that you're in on all three, that don't lie in church now, okay, there's cruise Monday through Friday, I mean, which means there's one for you, there's got to be something that fits your schedule, there's got to be something that fits your, your lifestyle, whatever's going on, I pray you buy into all three, listen, let me, let me, let me do something real quick. Someone was nice enough to donate some of these books uh, to the church. Does anybody have a birthday today? I want to bless someone that has a birthday today. Anyone have a birthday today? Don't lie in church now. I see a hand in the back. Come on. Happy birthday to you over there. You have a birthday today? Tomorrow? Why not? God is faithful for tomorrow. Here. Happy birthday. Write this down. I think we can all agree on this. We are shaped by experiences. Your life right now is the sum of your experiences. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We are shaped by experiences. Would you agree with me? So if that's true, how much more are we created to have experiences with God? He created you to have experiences with him that's going to shape not just your now, but it's going to shape your eternity. Because remember, as Christians, we don't live just for the now. We live for the eternity. Can you say amen? amen. So Jesus said something powerful. He said, this is what eternal life is, is to know God. He wasn't talking about head knowledge. He was talking about experience. It's one thing to say I know something. It's another thing to experience it. Right? There's a lot of people who know things, but they haven't experienced anything. I don't know about you, but when I'm looking for specific people in a specific field, I'm looking for experience. Right? Like, I don't know about you, but I don't know why I do this, but the first thing I do when I go into doctors, I'm looking at the wall like, yo, what do you got? (laughs) If you graduated from your basement, I I need another doctor. Right? Experience matters. Right? When you recommend someone to a mechanic, you recommend an experience. Right, the experience not just in you know, how many years they're doing it, but how was their experience with your car? Right? How was the experience with the bill? Right? <laughs> Hello, somebody. Right? How was the experience when you actually went and, and went? Like you want to walk away from an experience feeling like, man, that was yeah, yeah. that was worth it. And also, experiences teaches you what not to do as well. Right? There are certain things I try to tell the young people. There are certain things you should not learn by experience. You should learn by other people's experience. Like, if you're smart enough, you'd be like, nah, I'm good. I saw that. Right? Like, maturity says, mm, that looked like it hurt. <laughs> I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like, not every experience should be experienced. Right? But there are some things that you can only learn through experience. Can you say amen? You know, the Bible goes on to say in Psalm 34, verse 8, it says this. It said, taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joys of those who take refuge in him. So, if you're taking notes, taste is an experience. You got to taste to see that the Lord is good. 
right? It's one thing for me to talk to you about certain food as ingredients and tell you all the reasons why this food is amazing because of all the ingredients in it, but it's another thing for you to taste it for yourself, right? And sometimes the food can be bad for you, but the taste though. <laughs> can we be honest for a second? Like my wife's got me on this salad thing lately, and, uh, and the thing is, like I'll eat it, but I'm still hungry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like a salad, just... It just, like, you can't sell me on a salad. I'm going to eat it because I have to. But don't tell me a salad tastes good because it doesn't. Let's be honest. Like, anything just green does not taste good. Right? So taste matters. Taste matters. And the Bible says taste and know that God is good. Don't just have head knowledge of God. Don't just have ingredients about God. Because sometimes I hear people talk about God. It's just, they're like, it's like they talk about a salad. You ever hear people talk about God? You're like, that ain't fun. And that ain't nothing there for me. Right? There are some Christians, let's be real, you want to rock away from. They're like, here comes a salad. I'm out. (laughs) Don't elbow anybody. But, you know, we need some some flavor in this thing. Like, God is a good God. Right? He's a good God. Don't talk about God like he's a salad. God is a meal. That's why the Bible says he is the living water. He's the bread of life. Like you're supposed to taste and know that he is good. Let's take a moment and give God some praise. Have you tasted God? Have you tasted? You know, once in a while you get that person that's like salty about life. Try to tell you God's not real. They say, bro, I don't care what you said. I already tasted. I know God is good. I know God is real. It don't matter what you said. Like I ate. You know, it don't matter. It don't matter. You can be salty about life all you want, but I've tasted that the Lord is good. And then people are like, well, if he's good, then I don't why did this happen? Why did that happen? I don't know why those things happen. I'm not God. All I know is I've tasted and I know that God is good. He is faithful. I don't have all the answers. I read a lot. I research a lot. But at the end of the day, I'm not God. I'm just a taster. I have tasted and I've known that the Lord is good. I'll take taste over ingredients any day of the week. I'll take taste over philosophy any day of the week. I'll take taste over intellectuality every day of the week. I'll take taste over saltiness every day of the week. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? This is not a theory. It's a taste. It's a taste test. You know, taste and know that he is good. Right? And I love that about scriptures. Scriptures always challenges you to go beyond just your head knowledge. It's like you have to have an experience. You have to know that God is good by experience, not just what people told you. Especially, listen, young people, you grew up in the church, that's not good enough. You need to have an experience with God. You need to know him for who he is because sooner or later, that's going to be challenged. And if you don't have something in your soul that has grounded you, that has really put down roots on you, then you're going to be persuaded by so many different voices and winds of life. But when you know that you know that you know that you know that God is good, come hell or high water, I am rooted and grounded in the will of God. Listen, I grew up going to church. I've always enjoyed church. I've never was the kid that was bored with church. I don't know how people are bored. Just look around. How can you be bored? 
Like church is hilarious sometimes. You know, you ever sit behind the person that thinks they can sing? You know, you're, you're over here, you're over there, and they're all the way on the other side of notes. You know, and it's like, usually it's like your mom. I mean, don't raise hands. But church to me has always been fun, right? And I grew up going to church. I, I'm so thankful that God made sure that I had people in my life to bring me to church. I mean, I had a grandmother who faithfully brought me to Sunday school, and she had two sisters who faithfully brought me to Mass. So I had plenty of church in my life growing up. I always tell people, my denomination was a combination of Catholic and Nazarene. You can call me Catherine. Like, that was my denomination. Okay. Sunday school in the morning, mass at night, you know, knew the deal. But something changed when I was 20 years old and I had an experience with God. There's a difference between going to a building and having an experience with the living God. Till this day, that experience happened almost 20 years ago. May of 1998 will always be imprinted in my soul, the day that God changed my life. We all need an experience with God. We all need a moment that you know that was the turning point. If you haven't had that moment, you need to ask God for that moment because if you don't have that moment, all you have is religion. It will never be real. It will never apply to your day-to-day life. It will never make sense to do the things that God called you to do if you ever have a shift in your soul of what life is all about. The things that we talk about here will absolutely make no sense to someone who hasn't had an experience with God. Why would I go serve the city when God hasn't really been real to me? How would I tithe if I don't trust that God provides for me? How would I join a ministry if I don't understand that I am part of the living body of Christ? How would I do anything remotely close to the will of God if I haven't had the experience to know in my heart that God has changed my life? You won't do any of those things. Those things are foreign to you. It's like speaking a different language. When you ever had the experience with God. I was 20 years old when, when I had the experience. And, and all I can remember is a voice telling me you're living in vain. 20 years old, I could summarize my life in two things. I was just having fun and playing sports. That was it. And that, nothing wrong with that. The problem is a lot of times we settle for something that's not wrong as opposed to embracing what's right. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's such a good message right there. We settle for things that are not bad as opposed to embracing something that's really, really good. You know you have an experienced God when you talk about, man, I'm not that bad. Have you really looked at yourself? Okay, I'll just move on. Um, because, you know, we in denial a lot of times. You know, the, the first step in knowing that there's more is to say that I'm not satisfied with where I am. There's a longing in us for more. Yeah. I heard the voice say, you're living in vain. And that shifted my life for the last 20 years. That was the beginning of the other experiences because it all starts with the one experience. It all starts with the surrendering experience. When you surrender, then he begins to now download things on a deeper level for your life. See, people will go to a building but not surrender to the person who owns it. There's a difference. You will never see the fullness of God's will as long as you think you are in control. And I don't know about you, but life has a way of showing us that we're not in control. Every time I go to a hospital, I saw my wife this week, I was in the hospital. Every time I go to a hospital, I'm always, I always walk away with this feeling of like, wow, we're not in control. The hospital is packed. Why? Because we're fragile. 
The hospital to me is one of the greatest revelations that we need God. Because sooner or later we find ourselves here broken down, hurting, disappointed, or worse yet, defeated. And those things are part of the experience. I believe God takes all of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly to mold us, to shape us in the image or likeness of who he is. All of it. In scriptures, you see many people who had an experience with God. All of them. There's not one person that God uses in scriptures who doesn't first have an experience with God. And the way God works is he works with who you are and where you are. And I love that. In other words, your experience might look very different from my experience. So, so my experience at 20 years old, that's my unique experience. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't have an experience for you. And, and age is nothing but a number in God's economy. Right? And, and a lot of times, you know, being in church for 20, 30 years means absolutely nothing in the spirit. And being in church for one day means more in the spirit than it means to be around for a long time. Be careful with spiritual pride. That will keep you from experiencing God. If you don't, if you don't believe me, read the scriptures. The people that thought they had it, they missed Jesus. Why? Because they were banking on their own. It's called self-righteousness, not righteousness. Right? We have to be careful that we don't become self-righteous. Because when you are self-righteous, God's saying you're on your own. Right? It's when you are empty yourself of yourself that you will begin to find God filling yourself. Listen, it's, this thing is upside down. You want to be great, he says, be last. You want to be, be first, just be last. Right? This thing is upside down. You want to be blessed, give. Like, this whole thing does not make sense in the natural. So here's a man. I'm going to give you an example named Moses in scriptures. Moses is a powerful man, but he became powerful because of an experience with God, not because of who he was. Right? And so interesting that Moses had an incident that put him in a situation where basically he thought, this is going to be my life. Go read it for yourself, Exodus chapter 3. But one day, he has this moment with God. I want to read this to you. In Exodus 3, it says this. Look, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. Which, by the way, I love the details of the Bible. One day. We don't know what day. Could have been a Monday. Because people swear God doesn't work on Mondays. One day, we don't know what day. It could have been a Tuesday. One day, it could have been Thirsty Thursday. I don't know. One day. One day, it could have been Freaky Friday. I don't know. One day. One day. I love that. Why? Because everybody is waiting for some day. God is talking about one day. Today could be the day of salvation if you're paying attention. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Waiting for someday. You ever hear young people say, oh, someday I'll give my life to God. How do you know you have tomorrow? You don't have tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. What's promised is today. Take care of today. One day. Everybody talking about achieving their dreams someday. But how many know a dream doesn't show up? A dream is developed over time. It's what you do today that determines what your dream looks like two weeks from now. It's what you do today that determines what your kids are a month from now. It's what you do today that determines where your relationship with God is going. One day is today. Today. Like you're in church but your mind is in Monday 
But don't you understand that the way you approach today is going to affect your Monday? Like, take full advantage of right now. He's trying to download things for you to be able to handle Monday, to handle Tuesday, to handle Wednesday, to handle Thursday. But you're worried about Thursday, but he's trying to say today is going to bless your Thursday. One day, he was just doing the mundane. I love that. One day, just tending the flock, thinking, minding his business. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Now, this is where I go. Moses must have been white. Because he wants to go to a bush that's not burning as opposed to running away. If Moses was black, he would have read like, yo, why isn't that bush burning though? I'm out. Like, I'm not going to it, going away from it. White people are braver. I'm not racist, just facts. You braver. I'm running away. I'm asking questions later. Hey. Y'all don't read the Bible like that? I just... When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. One day, we don't know what day, just doing what he normally did, His life changed forever. One day. For 40 years, Moses went to this desert. For 40 years, he just settled to the fact that, hey, I'm going to tend this sheep for the rest of my life. And it's going to help me pay my bills. And then one day I'm going to die. And then we all go to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that would be. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's Christianity for a lot of people. What a sad reality. God comes to disrupt the mundane. To say, I'll find you in the mundane. I'll find you in the daily life. I'll find you there, but I'll give you a higher purpose and a higher perspective. You are more than the sums of your bills. You are more than the sums of everyday life, 40 hours a week. God is saying, I got a purpose and a plan for your life. You got to lift up your eyes a little bit and see that I'm there. I'm trying to lead you towards greatness and a greater purpose than just paying bills and die. But it's how you handle today. You know, it's interesting. The Hebrew scholars say, who knows how many times Moses maybe passed by the burning bush, didn't even recognize it. How many times maybe God is trying to reveal something to us, but we're not recognizing it. How many times in the mundane, the day-to-day life, because we're thinking about someday, we're missing the revelation of today, of what God is trying to show us today. How many people are wishing they were somewhere else, but not realizing you might be in the middle of something that God is trying to do with you. Stop wishing you were somewhere else or somebody else or a different thing or a different situation. Don't you know he is the God of today. He is the God of the now, not later. Your now will affect your later. Stop wishful thinking. Stop daydreaming. And embrace the day. He doesn't make mistakes. 
You are where you are for a reason. That shaped the next 40 years of his life. One moment with God will shift the course of your life. One moment for me at 20 years old shifted everything that I knew about life. I never would have thought I'd be doing this. If you would have told me at 20 years old I'd be doing this, I would tell you, yeah, you, you, you are seeing things in bushes that are burning. You might be smoking something <laughs> weird. Didn't have a payment plan. I didn't have a plan. Ten years, I'll see myself doing this. No, it's like, man, you, when you see God, all you can do is surrender to that and let him lead and take control and tell you where to go. Shifted everything. I said I would never live in New Bedford. And he's in heaven going, yeah, word. <laughs> Understand this. This is deep now. When you surrender your life to God, you have no more say. That's a deep word. Because everybody thinks, I'm in control. Until you land in a hospital. I'm in control until your 401k is gone. I'm in control until your wife gets sick. We're not in control. And the more we realize that we surrender it, maybe we'll see a bigger plan in place. I believe God's plans for us is way bigger than we can ever imagine or think. Like, it's way bigger. Like, the plans that you think you have are really small compared to the plans that God has for your life. If you just embrace that, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you, what you've done. He's saying, today, if you hear my voice, I'll begin to shift your destiny. Because when you meet the Lord, he reveals himself to you. If you keep reading Moses' story, they, they, it's interesting. I love the Bible. I hope you're reading it. It's so powerful. They have a conversation. And Moses is like, man, how do I go back? Because, because I, got, I got news for us, church. God will never reveal himself to you just to leave you in utopia. God will reveal himself to you to give you a purpose. He said, I want you to go back to Egypt. Remember where Egypt is, right? Egypt is the place you came from you don't want to go back to. God says, I don't rescue you just for you. I don't rescue you for you to wait to go to heaven. I rescue you to go back to Egypt so other people can be rescued as well, can be healed as well, can be blessed as well. People are like, I just, I just want to chill. I want to come to church and chill. It's like, no, no, no. That's not God. That's not, that's you. That's not Christianity. That's meanity. Christianity will go back and find ways to be a blessing in tangible ways in other people's lives. So I want you to go back to Egypt, Moses. And they have this conversation. And Moses is like, what do I tell people? Who are you? I love this. God says, look at this. This is so powerful. Verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Please write this down. Experiences will reveal who God is to you. It's one thing to hear about God. Most people hear about God. Most people swear they know Tom Brady because they know stats. You don't know Tom Brady. You know an image of the guy on TV. But few people know Tom Brady. It's the same thing with Jesus. Some people, yeah, it's the son of God. But do you know him? 
Because he says here, he says, I am who I am. Now, two things, if you're taking notes. Two things powerful that God is saying here. First of all is, I am who I am. Don't, you can't put me in a box. Because, you know, people will say stuff like, I know God. God is love. Well, that's one part of him. He's also holy. He's also just. He's also righteous. He's also merciful. He's also compassionate. He's also a judge. Like, there's a lot to God. You can't just say he's one thing because that fits you. He's more than that. And as you get to know him, he reveals more of himself. It's like when you go on a date, you only knew one version. And you got married, you're like, whoa. Come on, talk to me. Oh, dates are cute, but they're not real. Right? You're like, you're on a date, she didn't eat anything. You're like, that can't be real. Red flag, if they're not eating, something's wrong. You better eat, show me who you really are. I need to know what kind of groceries I'm dealing with for the future. You gotta eat. I need to know what kind of dating plan we're gonna have for the future. I need to, I need to. I need to put this in my budget. If you don't eat, you throw off my budget. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. It ain't real. One date. People are like, I went to church once. And you knew God already? Oh, everybody's a hypocrite. So you know all of them? Oh, every church wants your money. Oh, so you know every church. You are an expert in every single church on the face of the planet. Like, you know all of them. All of them. It's amazing the stuff we say based on shallow experiences. That was just the beginning, he's saying to Moses. I am who I am. I'm about to show you things you don't know. That was just the beginning. You want to see God's will? Don't give him a Sunday. Give him 40 years of your life. You see God's will. You see God's plan. You see God's purpose. God is not into it for flashing a pan. How many people have come and gone and haven't seen anything? No continuation. The power of repetition like we talked about last week. The discipline of staying in there, of praying and worshiping and giving and fasting and praying and worshiping and giving and fasting and praying and worshiping and giving and fasting and see the accumulation of the will of God over your life. That doesn't happen over time, overnight. It happens over time. This is a marathon. I am who I am, he says. I will be what I will be when you need me. And the way you're going to know you need me is by experience. You don't know God provides until you have nothing in your bank account. And God says, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Turn it around. You don't know God heals until you get cancer and you say, God, I have nowhere else to go. You better touch my life. You don't know God until you need God. To be Jehovah Jireh, the provider. That's an experience. That's why it doesn't matter what life throws at me. I've tasted. I know he's good. And if he's done it before, guess what? He's going to do it again. He's faithful. 
to do it again. You can't talk me out of this thing. I'm in too deep. Sometimes when people leave the church, you know what I think? It breaks my heart. Like, they never experienced God. They went to a building. Because there's nothing that would talk me out of this thing. Because I know too much. When you're in too deep, man, it's hard to get out. Find it amazing. People walk away from things that they should stick with. It's like, man, you should be in too deep. That's why, ladies, don't make it easy for someone to get a hold of your heart. They need to be in deep with you. Don't just open the doors of your heart. Don't open the doors of your house. Don't open the doors of anything until you know they're for real. They're with you. They ought to be in deep. People walk away quickly, tells me, what is it about you? What, what does that say? Because it's in the thick and thin that you actually have experiences. It's when it's hard that God shows up. It's in the midnight hour that God loves to show up. So you can know you couldn't do this. He says, I am who I am, Moses. I will be what I will be. And in the process of this thing, I'm going to show you things by experience. That's how this thing works. It's, it's one thing to quote a cute Bible verse. It's another thing to experience it. We don't need Facebook Christians. We need real, honest-to-goodness experiences. Because experience will reveal who God is. So let me ask you a couple of questions today. Because we don't want this stuff to just be head knowledge. But you got to ask yourself the questions today. Have you known God by experience so far? Not what someone told you. Not what your grandmother used to do. Have you known God by experience? Have you had a turning point that you knew, like, life is not about me anymore? Have you had that moment where you didn't come to church for you anymore, you came for him? Have you had that moment when you stopped making things about you because there's a greater purpose? Like, you, you, you know what burns me up in, in church? People come and say, oh, you know, I just want to be fed. It's like, when are you going to go to Egypt and feed others as well and be a blessing in other people's lives? When are we going to grow up a little bit? Because you could be 40 years old and, and be 10 in the spirit. Because a 90-year-old and a 6-year-old needs to be fed. But you got to grow up a little bit to say, no, I have ownership now. I need to go back. And be a blessing now. You see, in life, it's easy to know who doesn't get promoted. Those who always deflect responsibility will never get promoted. If every time someone's trying to give you something, which, by the way, I think is the greatest compliment in life. If someone says to you, I got something for you to do. That tells me someone is saying, I believe you can do this. But... So if every time someone is saying to you, I believe you can do this. And you're like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. No wonder you're good. You're good for nothing. You're good for nothing. I told you, I grew up Catholic. My aunts had saints all over. But I'm like, aunt, they don't do anything. These are saints on the shelf. They're good for nothing. That's how some people approach church. They go to a building, but they're good for nothing. Like, show me experience. Show me. This is why I have a lot of respect for people who show up early and set up all this. You know what they're doing? They set up an altar. No wonder their lives are blessed. No wonder they're anointed. No wonder they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they're doing something with their hands that says, I believe. Therefore, I do. I believe. Therefore, I argue. That's some people's religion. 
When was the last time the argument led someone to Jesus? When was the last time you had an argument about anything and people were like, I'm so glad we had this debate because now I changed my life. I'm never going to be that person again that we would just talk about in five minutes. When was the last time anyone won anything by arguments? You don't win anything by arguments. It's experiences that shapes people's lives. It's experience. Responsibilities. When God is trying to put more on you, you better embrace it. Here's a word we use a lot in church, anointed. Anointed, anointed. We don't even know what it means. I bet if you go around when I was like, what is it? I don't know. It sounds really good though. The process of anointing is the process of breaking. You don't get anointed without being broken first. Right? To get one drop of an oil, of anointed oil, you gotta, you got to crush all of the stuff to get one drop of anointed. So when you're saying to God, anoint my life, you're saying, God, break me so I can produce something worth producing in life. That's anointing. Come on, let's just be honest for a second. Most people don't want anointing. They don't want anointing. Because if we really did, you know what would happen? Can I just be real for a second? Can I just keep it 100 if we really wanted the anointing of God, we would not be in a rush to leave church. If we really wanted the anointing of God, we would show up early and stay late and say, God, I'm not leaving until you anoint my life. I'm not going back to the same old. I'm not going to go back to the same repetition theft. I'm not going to go back to the same lifestyle. I want you, Lord, to change my life. Most people are not serious enough. They're kind of serious. You know, some people are like, they just, eh. Eh. That's some people's Christianity. Eh. For real. The Christianity I grew up in when I was 20 years old, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me, they grabbed me and threw me up the deep water and said, swim. I'm so thankful for that. Because nowadays, man, it's like, man, the, we, we, you know, sometimes I'm like, let's stop trying to make church so smooth. Because then where's the struggle? Where's the hunger? Like if I have to map it out for you from A to Z, every little thing, you know, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to do anything wrong because you know the way your faith set up is so fragile. Any little thing will just throw you off. Listen, I don't know about you, but if, if I'm hungry for something, I'm going for it. I'm, 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 I, just, I just long for it. Uh, worst thing we've done to this generation is we have a, we're building a soft generation participation trophies what are we doing it's in a thick and thin that you know God it's when you go through some stuff you don't give up that you see the power of God he says I will be what I will be people who are easily offended will never see the will of God because God will offend you you're thinking people are offending you God will offend you because he's like you're thinking too small (gasps) I'm offended. Well, you could be offended. Because God would be like, next. Oh, you don't want to do anything? Next. Next. That's how God works. Guys like Bill Belichick, next. Okay, I'll say. Hey, by the way, let's, let's, be, let's be real winners here. Let's shout out to the Eagles, for real. You know. Let me end here. Listen. 
You know God by experience. He says, I will be what I will be. In other words, you're going to need God to be many different things. And if you seek him, that's when you'll find him. Sometimes in that experience, God won't change things. He will change you. Another man in the Bible named Jacob had a moment with God. Like a serious moment. Like, like I don't want to be the same kind of moment. That's what we need, church. You ever wrestle with God? Jacob, his name meant deceiver. All his life, he was lying, cheating his way through life. From the moment he was very young, he would find ways to deceive himself into whatever he thought success was. He comes face to face with God. This was a turning point. They wrestle. You ever wrestle with God? You know what wrestling with God means? You ever, you ever, you ever be honest with yourself? You ever stop blaming people? You ever stop putting, pointing fingers around and you say, I'm Jacob the deceiver? Like, you ever tell God, like, I'm dead serious. I'm not going to be the same again. Like, I don't want to be the deceiver anymore. I don't want to be in lust anymore. I don't want to be in poverty anymore. I don't want to be guilty anymore. I don't, I don't want to be filled with addictions anymore. I don't want to be the same old anymore. I don't want to lie myself to things anymore. I don't want to cheat anymore. Like, have you ever had an honest moment? Because that would change your life. He had this moment. And God says, I'm going to change your name. Because sometimes God doesn't change situations. He changes us. He says, you're not deceiver anymore. You are Israel. Israel means the one who fights. He says, I'm going to put a fight in you for the right things. Put a fight in you for the right causes. See, sometimes in order to move forward, you got to reject who you used to be. So I tell people sometimes, you got a nickname, and that reminds you of your past. It's time to drop that nickname and embrace who God created you to be in the first place. Because God's got a new name for you. You're not a deceiver anymore. You're not a womanizer anymore. You're not an addict anymore. You're not in poverty anymore. You're not just you anymore. You are you with the power and the grace of God in you. That's the experience. You know what happened to Jacob? He walked away with a limp. What a powerful word. I wish I had time. Because you know, you know when someone has walked with God when they walk with a limp. Because, because when you walk with God, you haven't, listen, if, you, if your nose is still up in the air, you haven't walked with God yet. If you still think you're so such a much, if that's a word. If you're still trying to impress people with your resume, you haven't met God yet. You haven't met God yet. Because when you meet God, the most impressive thing in your resume is, I was blind, but now I can see. I was blind, but now I can see. You give all glory to God, all praise to God. Paul says, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast on the cross of Jesus Christ who has rescued me, who has healed me, who has restored me, has given me a new identity, a new purpose. I am who I am by the grace of God. That's what we need. Honest to goodness experiences. That's why people are bored in church. No experiences. Just ingredients. I can't cook, y'all. You can give me all the ingredients in the world. I can't cook. I need you to put it together for me. I'm better at tasting it than explaining the ingredients. I don't want to be a Christian who knew how to talk about the Bible but didn't experience the Bible. I want the goodness of the Lord 
in me. I want to taste in my mouth that God is good. He is faithful. How do I know? Because I've seen him be faithful again and again. How do I know he's gracious? Because I've seen him be gracious again and again. How do I know he provides? Because I've seen him provide again and again. It's an experience. It doesn't matter what you say. I don't care. I smile and wave. Why? Because I've tasted that the Lord is good. That's what we need, church. We don't need more religion. We need experiences. We need to ask God to reveal himself to us. Here's my prayer for us. I'm asking you to pray this prayer. Even if you're an atheist, you got to start somewhere. Bible says, look, God, reveal yourself to me. Here's what's going to happen next few weeks. I'm going to prophesy that as we talk about this, and you're reading this book during the week, and you're joining a crew, this prayer will become a reality in Jesus' name. That all of us are going to have a story to tell in the next few weeks of how God has revealed himself to you. Some of you, you're going to see physical healings. Some of you are going to see emotional healings. Some of you, you're going to see your family members come to Jesus. Some of you, you're going to get a promotion on your job. Some of you, you're not going to be stressed anymore. Some of you, you're not going to be depressed anymore. Some of you, you're going to go from death to life. I believe God is about to do a new thing in your life. You got to believe it before you see it. That's how faith works. Believe it now. Now is the day of salvation. Come on. You got to believe God before you see it. Come to pass and say, God, I'm not waiting to see it. I know you will because you're faithful. I've seen you do it before and you're going to do it again. I may be in the desert, but joy come in the morning. Do I talk to any believers in this house? Do you believe God? My goodness. Come on, give me something to work with over here. You're not a Jacob anymore. You're Israel, the one who wrestles with God and is transformed. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want to thank you for listening today, and I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.